Welcome to the Hope United podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. So we've been talking about new life. Look at somebody and say, new life. Just shout it out real loud. New life. And we're talking about when you come to Christ and God just gives you a total makeover. Totally new, totally new. All of the old is now gone. God's given you a new life, a new way of thinking, a new way of behaving. And so it's, it's a completely different framework that you're walking into. And so we've been talking about that. And I want to start here, right here in 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Somebody say new person. New person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And that's what we're talking about. God doing something through Christ completely new in your life. In my life. When we come to Christ, he makes us new. Nothing about the old thinking, nothing about the old culture, nothing about the old way of acting applies to this new life. And we've been talking about what this new life looks like, what it means, what it means to enter into a new life as a Christian. So, anybody ready? If you're ready, just say, I'm, I'm ready. So, you know that when you get up in the morning and you're excited to put on those new clothes that you maybe just got for your birthday or you just bought at the store, you bought at the mall and you're going to put on all new clothes and you're looking forward to showing everybody the new clothes. The Bible talks about Christ Jesus as putting him on. We're putting on Christ. So when we come into this new life, we're not wearing what we wore before. We're not thinking like we did before. It's not the old culture like it was before, but it's a new culture. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new outfit. Putting on Christ-like clothes. So now, in my relationship with God, when he looks at me, he's looking at the clothes of Christ that I'm wearing. So no longer is he looking at me in the flawed condition and the way I looked before and the, the, my past and the brokenness of humanity and the problems in my family. He's looking at me if I'm clothing myself in Christ. He's seeing the perfection of Jesus. So it changes my relationship. And that's actually very fundamental to why Christ gave his life for us. Christ gave his life so that we could put his perfection on us. So now we put on Christ. Colossians 3.10 says it now. It says put on your new nature. Somebody say put on. You have to put on the new nature if you want to live the new life. You can't try to go into this new life and go with the old nature. Go with the old way of thinking, go with the old clothes, go with the old things. No, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And it's crazy that you don't really even know God that well until you put on the new nature. Get this, Colossians 3.10, put on your new nature. Somebody say, put on your new nature. nature. And And be renewed. 
As you learn. Wow. First, I have to put on the new nature. Man, this relationship with God opens up to me for real once I start putting on the new nature. The more I put on the clothes of Christ, the more I really get to know God. Do you know how many misconceptions they had about God before Jesus showed up? And Jesus was breaking down all kinds of thought processes and turning people's ideas upside down because they thought they knew God. And they did know God to a certain degree. But then when Jesus came and revealed who God was, he said, if you know me, now you know the Father. Boom. Put on this new nature. And now you begin to learn to know your creator and become like him. That's, that's the thing, right? As we put on Christ, put on the new nature, we learn about God. Now I'm becoming like God. That was what I was meant to be in the beginning. Yes. To be like God in his likeness, in his image. It was lost. Jesus came to restore it. We put on Christ. We start becoming again like God. Yes. New nature for the new life. When we wear Christ, it makes us shine. There's no way to be a light for Jesus without putting the clothes of Jesus on. There's no way to shine for Jesus, to do anything of big effect without putting on the clothes of Jesus. And I think this is the problem sometimes with us. I'm talking about all of us Christians. Sometimes we want to really celebrate God on Sunday. But then on Monday, we just bury that thing. We can put that clothes in the back of the closet. Right? On Sunday, oh yeah. We're praising God. We got the new outfit. We got the wardrobe. We're droving for Jesus. We're dripping for Jesus. And then on Monday, we hide those clothes away in the back of the wardrobe. We put some other clothes on top of it so that we look more like the world. We don't want to offend anybody. But if you want to shine, you got to put down the old clothes. You got to clothe yourself in Christ. Then you're going to walk in this new life like never before. Matthew 5:16, Jesus said, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." Listen. Listen, if you don't have the works of Christ, God's glory is missing. There's a portion of what God wanted to do on the earth that's missing when your good works are missing. Let your, shine, your, let your light shine. Say this with me. Let your light shine. Point at somebody and say, let your light shine. That's important because you have to let your light shine. Get this, get this. If we want to bring the focus back to God, you have to let your light shine. Your, the, 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 the Christ that's on you has to shine so it points the focus back to God. If you don't do it, there's less focus on God, right? right. Is that not implied that there's less focus on God if I don't wear my Christ clothes? Right. That's it. If I'm not salty, not in the natural way, in the spiritual way. You know what I'm saying. If I'm not salty and I'm not shiny. I don't have these Jesus clothes on. 
there's some of the focus that's being taken from God and put on something that it doesn't need to be on. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. This world is full of stuff that gets people's attention, grabs people's attention. You got notifications on your phone. You got all this that's grabbing at your focus. What we were meant to be were people that bring the focus and the glory and bring it back on God. How do we do that? By wearing a completely different wardrobe in this new life. Now, these type of, I'm wearing Christ in my actions, in my thought process. Now, wherever I go, I'm shining a light back to, to God. I'm pointing the way back to God. Because I'm wearing Christ. Let your light so shine before men. Now, another reason that we need to take the old self off. Beyond the fact that it's dirty, it's, it's filthy, it's, it's in comparison to what God wants to give us, which are perfect. It's perfect. What Christ did is perfect. Those clothes, that wardrobe is perfect. Ephesians 4.21 says, When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So the old self is not just filthy rags. Like the the scripture says, you know, your righteousness You trying to make yourself right is like filthy rags. Right? Let me clothe you. God is saying, let me clothe you. Because what you have right now on the old way, the old man, the the old mentality, the old way of thinking is like filthy rags. But not only is it old rags, this scripture tells us that it's corrupted. What you are wearing if you're not wearing Christ, has already been corrupted by this world and by your desires. We, apart from God, have destructive tendencies. Self-destructive tendencies. When we put on Christ, we're putting off the defected, defective, corrupted Clothes and old self that we used to have. We have to abandon the old self because it's corrupted. It's no longer functional. It's no longer useful. If we want to live a new life, we have to let go of the old man, the old ways, the old thinking, the old culture. When you come to Christ, you're leaving all that behind. Or you should be. It's the old ways that are corrupted and that corrupted you. And me in the first place. It's the old desires. The old way of thinking. The old attitude. We have to lay that down. Lay that on the altar. And pick up something completely new that God has given us. And verse 21 says. You heard of Christ. And you were taught of Christ. Right? When you heard about Christ. And were taught in him. Now get this. This is the problem with Cultural Christianity, not real Christianity, cultural Christianity. Somebody say cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity, when somebody's a cultural Christian, it's they have heard about Christ, 
but they're not applying the teachings. Now, if you want to get this new life, if you want to grab a hold of it with both hands and for it to actually work for you, you have to not only embrace the name of Jesus, but also the teachings of Jesus. The name of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus are inseparable. You can't say, well, I love the Lord, but I kind of have a different relationship. Uh-uh. Doesn't work like that. I love the Lord, but I don't come to church. I love the ch- God, but I don't do organized religion. Here's the problem with that. You can't separate the name of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. Because the moment that you separate the teachings of Jesus from the name of Jesus, you're just a cultural Christian. You look like a Christian, maybe. Maybe you can walk like a Christian sometimes. Or maybe you can sit in the pew like a Christian, but you're not really a Christian. There's a difference between an actual Christian and a cultural Christian. A cultural Christian, one that, obey, that, that adheres to the name of Jesus, but not the teachings. Well, this is flawed. I was having a, a great conversation with one of our men at one of the men's events that we were doing. And we were talking about some challenges when we're talking to Christ about people. And they said, you know, oh, well, this is flawed. It, it, it was put together by man. He said, every literature, every piece of literature that you've ever read in your life was put together by man. The difference is this one was God-breathed. <laughs> Before the man wrote it down... God put his spirit on the man and he wrote it down. (laughs) I'm so tired of pop culture theology that has no scholarship behind it. Doesn't understand a thing about ancient literature trying to criticize what God is doing. You can't come with your pop culture theology and downgrade something that is historically accurate. All right, I'm going to get off that pulpit in a second and get back to the sermon. Next time somebody says, well, that was put together with men, you say, everything you've ever read was put together by men. The difference is some men are a little bit different than others. Some men were inspired by the Holy Spirit, were given God thoughts, God words to write down. And so the name and the teaching of Jesus are inseparable. And Jesus furthers this concept. I love it. He makes it real strong in John 14, 15, and 16. He says, if you love me, somebody say, if you love me. That's Jesus kind of saying, I, you got to prove your love to me in this way. All right? This is how I'm going to know we're in relationship. Here it is. Obey my commands. So the person that says, oh, I'm a Christian, but they don't obey the commands. Jesus says, you don't really love me. You're faking. How many ever had somebody fake in your life? They said they were your friend until it really counted and you needed them to come through with some money or you needed them to come through and be there for you physically in the building. If you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, 
If we're really in relationship, if you're really following me, then obey what I've been teaching. It's impossible to separate the person of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. The person of Christ and the teachings of Christ. It's impossible to separate those two. And I hope, I hope we, we, we really get that. So Jesus says, if you love me, obey my teachings. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Get this process now. I'm in a relationship where I'm saying, God, I love you. And now I'm beginning to show that I have a relationship with you by I'm obeying your commands. Now I send you another, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the clothes of Christ. The advocate, the Holy Spirit is the clothing of Christ. The clothing of Christ is the Holy Spirit. So when I show that God that I love him by following his spirit or following his teachings, now his Holy Spirit comes upon me. I am clothed in Christ. You cannot get the Holy Spirit being rebellious, doing it your own way. You cannot get the Holy Spirit. You cannot get the clothes of Christ, the power of Christ, the blessing of Christ, without obeying the teachings of Christ. I say, Jesus, I have decided to follow you. Today, I've decided. And each moment, I take a step in obedience I'm becoming clothed in Christ. I'm going on a journey. Piece by piece, I'm trading out my old clothes and I'm putting on new clothes. Piece by piece. I'm being clothed in Christ. The Holy Spirit is becoming more intricate in my life. I'm going here. I can sense the guidance that he's giving me. I begin to hear, sense in my spirit, God is saying something to me and directing me. Why? Because I'm taking these steps of obedience in the teachings of Christ. I'm not just calling myself by the name of Christ. I'm following in the teachings. I'm following in the footsteps. The Holy Spirit is the clothing of Christ. You cannot be effective in the new life without the new clothing. Say that with me. I cannot be effective... In this new life, without the new clothing. Listen, it's, Jesus would not have said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you something. Send you someone. And that someone is going to help you out. It's going to be, is going to be you're going to need this person. You're going to need to be clothed with this person. This person is going to give you the power. To be my ambassador. Without that, listen, we are not going to do well. We're not going to fare well trying to do what God has called us to. God, oh, God told, told me to build this business. God told me to go out here and reach these people. God told me to do this, do that. You're not going to do well if you're not clothed in Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that is the empowerer of every dream, of your destiny, of your purpose. You will not realize your full potential without the Holy Spirit at work in your life. He is the clothing of Christ. And so we we come to Matthew 16, this important part of the new life. 
Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. We got that part so far, right? If you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to enter into this new life, you're going to have to give your old way up. But then he adds this little component. He says, and take your cross. He starts teasing out this idea of a cross. Well, what in the world? What's that supposed to mean? Um, Not only give up everything that was about the old life, but now I need to take up a cross. Well, what does the cross signify? The cross signifies sacrifice. Jesus is saying, look, you want to be like me. Right? That's what Christian means, like Christ or little Christ, small version, pocket-sized version of Christ, right? Whatever. If you want to be like Christ, you've got to have a cross like Christ. You've got to understand how to sacrifice like Christ. And it's not that you're not going to be blessed, you're not going to see miracles, you're going to see favor, amazing in your life, but there's going to be moments of sacrifice. You have to be able to look through the lens of sacrifice and understand through the lens of sacrifice, there are some sacrificial moments. Every moment that Jesus walked the earth wasn't a sacrificial moment. No, he paid the ultimate sacrifice and he made some big sacrifices. But every single moment of his life was not a sacrifice. What you have to understand is there's going to be moments of hardship. There's going to be moments of difficulty. There's going to be chaotic times. There's going to be some times when there's enemies after you. There's going to be times that you have to give up things that you want to do. Anybody ever gave something up you wanted? Sometimes you're going to want to put yourself first and God's going to say, put this other person first. Or I know you want to do this, but I need you to do that instead. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Now, but for those that sacrifice, he says, I'm going to open up a whole new world to you. And we have to understand this. Verse 25. If you try to hang on to your life, in the end, you're going to lose it. But if you will willingly sacrifice and lay down your life, what I'm going to give you in return is so far superior. It's going to blow your mind. His disciples once asked him, he said, well, well, Jesus, what's going to happen for us that we, we gave up this, we gave up that, we made sacrifices, we, 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 we took time off of work, or we left our jobs, and we did this, and to follow, all to follow you. And Jesus said, don't be deceived. He said, Everyone who's given up things, house or land, or they've had to walk away from family members, or there was a disagreement because you decided to follow me and other family members didn't want to do the same thing. In this lifetime, I will give back to you 100-fold. And eternal life. And eternal life. He's not saying, I'm going to bless you 100-fold one sweet day. When you're playing a harp in heaven... No, get this. No, Jesus said a hundredfold for those that have sacrificed and given up and put others before themselves and followed me a hundredfold in this life, a hundredfold in this life and eternal life. So this is 
If we want to be a follower of Jesus, we have to give up our old way and also take the cross. Jesus had a cross. I'm being like Jesus. I'm going to have a cross. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. There's going to be moments for me I'm going to have to make some pretty big sacrifices. And I have to be okay with that. I have to be able to look through the lens of sacrifice to understand this new life. If I don't have that lens, my viewpoint of the new life is incomplete. Because the moment I start going through hardships, if I don't understand sacrifice, I'm just going to walk away from the faith. If I was told that I'm only going to be blessed and I'm only going to have favor and I'm only going to be, it's bliss. What happens when I hit that rough patch? What happens when I pray and my prayer wasn't answered? What happens when I was really, 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 really believing for God to work a certain way? And it didn't work out that way. And there was a sacrifice. Or I had to give up what I wanted. But God says, if you can do that, a hundredfold I'm going to give back. A hundredfold. There is sacrifice involved in the new life. Say that with me. There's sacrifice involved in the new life. I, I, I want that everybody that comes to Christ understand that. When we teach better, people will walk out their faith better. Amen. And if you can sacrifice, I, I, I hope that you can and I pray that you can because if you can learn to give up your old life and make sacrifices, what God has for you in return is it, it's just amazing. It's so much more, the Bible says, than you could ask or even think. I can think some pretty big things. Yeah. I can ask some pretty big things. But it says exceedingly. Abundantly. Above. All. That you can ask. Or think. I don't think the disciples were thinking a hundredfold. They didn't think Jesus was going to say that. But Jesus is extravagant. God is extravagant. And that's how he feels towards those that he's in relationship with and here's the great thing about God if you're not in relationship with him today he wants you to be in relationship with you it says that God is not slow concerning his promises rather he is faithful he's patient that all he wants that all would come into his family, that all would receive the blessing of new life that all would receive the rich inheritance There's a part of this new life that's sacrificial. When I'm following him, I have to go where he goes. And here's the problem with some people's lifestyle. I see, I say, well, Jesus is going over there. Why are you walking over here? That must be something you want to do. Because that's clearly not what God is doing. When you're following someone, you're right behind them. But it was the same thing in the day of Jesus. There were some people that were amazed, some people that praised him, and other people that followed him. There were people that were amazed at the miracles. 
There were some people that praised him. And there were others that followed him. It's a difference. If you want to follow Jesus, you can't go your own direction. Impossible. Impossible. I'm sacrificing on a regular basis where I want to go, what I want to do. You think it's easy? Some days I don't want to get up. Some Sundays I like to sleep in on a Sunday. Oh, man. Holy Spirit won't let me sleep in. I'm up early on Sunday. Because <laughs> I understand I have to follow Jesus. Now, Jesus is leading us all. And, and, and your particular journey would be a little bit different than the person beside you. Right? But it's always congruent with the character of Christ. And the teachings of Christ. The name of Christ. And the teachings of Christ. Now let's talk about this last point here. I love this. Last point of the new life. Ephesians 2.14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Isn't that awesome? He brought peace to us. I want you to remember that. Anytime you feel overwhelmed in life. You feel in turmoil. You feel conflicted about something. That is not the Holy Spirit. God brings peace. Calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. Um, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. Now look at this. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. Somebody say one people. people. Now let me take a step back for a second and just say at the time of Christ, the two biggest cultures that were going on, it was like segmented like this. Jews and Gentiles. So for the spiritual thinking, right? Probably in the Roman world, it was like Roman or not Roman, right? You're a Roman citizen or you're nobody. But to those that are listening to this and the, those that are coming from this culture, there's Jews and there's Gentiles. And Jews thought of themselves way better than Gentiles. They're the people of God. They're the heir of the inheritance. They're better. And the Gentiles, many Gentiles, saw themselves as better than the Jews. There was a... I'm not going to say cultural divide. There was a chasm. Right? A, a chasm between the Jews and the Gentiles. But he says, in Ephesians, he says, Christ himself has brought peace. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Take this out of the perspective of Jews and Gentiles and Apply it to what culturally is going on right now. Close your eyes for a second. And I want you to imagine the work of Jesus Christ destroying the hostility that separates us as mankind. In his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. You can open your eyes back up. Think about that. You can apply it to whatever you want. Race, gender, politics. politics, economics. Jesus, one of the major emphasis of his work on the cross was uniting people. The work of unity. That is one of the major emphasis of the work. Get this. 
to unify, to bring back together God and man and mankind. I said it last week, but I'll say it again. When we all started speaking different languages, it was not a blessing. It was a curse. Because people were doing the wrong thing at the Tower of Babel, right? God came down and confused their languages. Now, see, the work of Christ is to bring people together, to bring unity. One of the major emphasis of this new life is unity. Breaking down barriers. The biggest cultural divide of that time, the time of Christ, was between Jews and Gentiles. So one of the major works we see of Christ is unity. As soon as Jesus arrived on the scene, he's turning customs and traditions upside down, challenging the norms in a massive effort to bring people together. To bring people together. In this world, the world that we live in, the enemy is behind the scenes pulling every string that he can to divide us. He'll divide by skin color, by race, by nationality, by culture, by economics, by politics, whatever he can. The devil wants to divide. And this world system gains power by pitting people against each other. Many times in the news or many times in politics, people will gain power. This world system celebrates the power that can be earned by dividing people. Get this. You have one kingdom that gains power by dividing and another kingdom whose purpose is to bring people together. Understand, we are in a battle of kingdoms. When you come into this new life, you are in this new kingdom that's now not about natural cultures. It's about how can we bring people together? How can we speak the same language? How can we think the same thought, kingdom thoughts? How can we work together to advance one another and to build the kingdom? I want to know what dream did God give you? How can I help you get there? Let me tell you what God has put on my heart. Can we work together to build something for God? Can we come together? Can we be unified? Can we build something that's worth building? This kingdom is a kingdom that is revealed through unity. That we become more empowered the more we're unified. It's in stark contrast to the way the world works the kingdom of darkness operates completely different how can we separate how can we protect our own groupings how can we get one up on the other group right it's a process to get it out It's a process to get it out when you're coming into this new life. Do you know in the early church what they had to do? They said, oh, with the the feeding program, it's not being people are getting preferential treatment, right? right? This culture is not getting the same amount of food that the other culture. They said, come on, let's get together. Let's empower other people so we can bring a unity and make sure everybody gets taken care of. Yeah, early church still working the old thought process out. To get over here to a place of unity, bringing people together, helping elevate one another. Amen? Amen? One people. What Christ did in his body was to create one people. And he said, this people, right? 
We call it the church. Right now, I'll just call it the people. He said, this people that I'm building, Jesus said this. He said, um, even the gates of hell will not be able to stand against the power of this unified people. The people that are called by my name and follow my teachings because they have relationship with me and they're clothed in me. They have the Holy Spirit. The kingdom attributes stand in stark contrast to the ways and the patterns of the world. Jesus demonstrated this new life for us and it's full of unity and forgiveness. How many times do you forgive a brother? Seven times 70, an unlimited amount, because unity is just that important. I'm going to keep on forgiving you until we can get to a place where we figure out how to stop doing what you're doing. You're doing the wrong thing there. You offended me, but I'm not giving up on you. You offended me. You hurt me. You mistreated me, but I'm not giving up on you because unity is that important. Unity. Jesus demonstrated in his life what the new life for us is supposed to be. Look, unity, forgiveness, a love that overlooks faults, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy. The list goes on. I want us to inherit all that God has for us in this new life. But we have to understand this. Matthew 5, 9. It's simple. But it's big. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The Greeks celebrated this concept of gods and demigods. You want to know how to be a child of God? Be a peacemaker. Bring people together. Be an agent of unity. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So in a world that's angry and demanding and demeaning and violent and vengeful, can we make peace? Make peace with each other. Be ambassadors of peace to others outside of our group. Blessed are the peacemakers. When we bring people together, then we will be recognized as the children of God. Get this. The more that you are an ambassador of the attributes of the kingdom, you're going to bring greater clarity of who God is. When I am a peacemaker, I shine the focus on God. I make God more visible to the world. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said it this way in his prayer before the cross. He said, Father, make them one so that the world will know you sent me. Father, make them unified so that the world will have a greater vision of Jesus. Guys, the more that we're unified, the more as Christians that we're unified, the more the world will have a better, clearer vision of who Jesus Christ is. Whenever we're fighting, whenever we're disagreeing, 
whenever we're working against each other, the vision of Jesus is obscured. Whenever we find a way to work together, I, I, I want to be so creative. Even if we see things very differently, that we can come together and we can work together and we can build something for God and we can make Jesus more visible to the world that we serve and that we love. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to talk about you. And to talk about being clothed in the garments of Christ. To not just call ourselves by your name, but also follow the teachings. We understand that the teachings in the name of Jesus are inseparable. God, help us to understand that we have to look through the lens of sacrifice. To, to walk in this new life, there's going to be some sacrifices we have to make. And that's okay. As part of the package. Because when I sacrifice, in the end, God, you reward, you give back so much greater. It's your desire and design to bless your children. God, help us to follow you. Help us to, to follow you, to pick up our cross, to do the thing that's uncomfortable to do the thing that's not easy, to do the thing that's sometimes not what we want to do so that we can be more like you. God, we want this new life. And Father, as we're praying and heads are bowed, maybe you say, Pastor, I know I'm not at the right place with Jesus today and I, I want to commit or maybe I want to recommit to Jesus if that's you, I want you to slip up your hand and I want to pray with you right where you are. Amen. Amen. One of the greatest decisions that we can make in our life is saying yes to Jesus. Not saying yes to Jesus like just his name. Saying yes to really following him. Saying yes to doing his commands, obeying his commands. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 If you lift up your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me. And everybody, you can say this prayer in agreement with us. Jesus, thank you for the huge price that you paid for me. For sacrificing for me. Jesus, I receive your free gift of forgiveness, of salvation, of love, and of reconnecting me with the Father. Jesus, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done in my past. All the sins, all the shortcomings, all the failures. Jesus, I lay them down like old clothes today. Jesus, clothe me in you. I need your help. I need your strength to help me walk this out. 
I want this new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and share it with friends. For more info or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. Remember, in Christ Jesus, we are one family in faith.